you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Would you bow your head for a moment? Lord, I ask that you would meet us here tonight. I ask that your word would not go forth and return void, but that it would accomplish everything that you have set it out to do. Lord, that there would be a, a such a presence of your spirit in this place that not one person could leave without being changed forever. God, meet us here. It's not by words of man's wisdom. It's not by anything that I could say. It's not by anything that this music team could sing, but it is by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Throughout the scripture, we are given many descriptive images of God. We see him as the lion and as the lamb, the first and the last, the lily of the valley, the door of the sheepfold, our eternal priest, our shepherd, these various images that describe characteristics of our creator. Each of these are depictions of his attributes. And perhaps most common of these, we see him in scripture as the king. This begins in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 5. Then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. Psalms 89 says it like this in verse 3. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build upon thy throne to all generations. Selah, meaning, meaning peace. In these passages of scripture, perhaps in that day, they thought that the promise of the Lord was speaking of a literal king that would be established from generation to generation. God promised David that his throne would be established forever. And Jesus came on the scene. He was a literal descendant of the bloodline of King David. Matthew 1.1 records the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This is speaking of Jesus' descendants. On a number of occasions, Jesus was called son of David. They would say things like, is this not the son of David? Thou son of David, have mercy on us. You see, Jesus called king was unlike any other king that had been known in that day. 
He did not enter riding on a white horse as other kings had. Rather, he, we, we see him entering that city on a borrowed donkey. As they cried, Hosanna being interpreted, please save us. This was no image of a king that they had ever seen before. He was not clothed in kingly garments. Rather, he was one that was clothed in glory. Trumpets did not surround his birth, for it was a silent night. He was not born in a palace. Rather, he was born alongside animals. We treat it like a pretty picture, and we, we, we word it in a certain way that we say, baby Jesus, born in a manger. But the reality of that scene is a manger was nothing but an old horse trough. And he was born in nothing but a little, a little animal barn. He was not born in a kingly manner. Not born in a palace, but born alongside the animals. His crown was not one of gold and of silver. Rather, we see the crown of thorns placed upon his head as they mocked him and they called him king of the Jews. They didn't understand it. They had never seen such a king. They had never seen a king die in such a, a embarrassing and terrible way. They mocked it and they put a sign upon the cross that said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This was nothing but mockery. What king would leave his throne to come to earth and redeem mankind? When in heaven he had everything that you could imagine. He didn't need us to worship him. I know that's not a popular thing. We like to say he created us because he needed worship. He didn't need our worship. He created us because he desired our worship. But he didn't need it. It was in heaven. He had everything that he needed. The creator of the universe. The one who existed before time. And believe it or not, before you and I. The one that existed before anything that we consider paradise was simply a creation of man. He existed beyond all of that. He did not need us. Yet this king left his throne to come on unto earth and redeem a people that had betrayed him. Isaiah says that heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the holder of all power, of all knowledge, of every single creation came to be crucified for my sins. Being a creation of the Creator, he came to die for you and for I, the king of all creation. What a strange thing that this must have been for man in that day to understand how this one could be a king. Jesus came declaring a message that angered the politicians and confused the leaders of that day. He often spoke of the kingdom of God, yet they could not see a kingdom. He spoke of the kingdom of God, yet they knew not his palace. They, he, he spake often of the kingdom of, of God, but they knew not his army. They, they, he, he spake often of his kingship, yet they knew not his majesty. 
Jesus came proclaiming, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And questions would arise from confused and intrigued people that had never seen such a king. They'd never seen a king. The scripture describes Jesus that he was not a man of physical beauty. He did not come clothed in the kingly garments. So they had never seen a king that it appeared this way before. They'd never seen a king that would present himself in such a way. And questions would arise from these intrigued and confused Pharisees and Sadducees and leaders of that day. When will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replies to them, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. This was a challenging thing for them to understand because in that day they only knew kingdoms as a palace and as a crown. They never understood a kingdom that was not one of earth and of man. In Romans 14, 17, Jesus explains, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It was during the trial of Jesus that John records an interaction in between Jesus and Pilate. As Jesus stands there, supposedly this king, bloodied and beaten and mocked and ridiculed. He'd been lashed, he'd been His skin had been ripped off of him. It was a bloody image. And he stood before Pilate, who was supposed to be a leader of that day. And Pilate asked him, he said, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? What did you do wrong? In other words, he was asking Jesus, How could you be the king of the Jews if it was the Jews that delivered you unto me? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, thou sayest that I am a king. And to this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness of the truth. Every One that is of the truth heareth my voice. You see, leaders of that day did not understand how this Jesus could be a king. Having no physical kingdom. This man that had no place to lay his head. How could he be a king? If his own people, the Jews, delivered him unto Pilate. Then how could he be a king of a people that would be willing to betray him? The word kingdom is divided into two parts, the king's domain. Traditionally, it was the authority of a king. It was in a place and not in the person. If a king was to go into another country, their authority therein would be made void. And being there, they would be under the jurisdiction of the king of that region. And if a king were to go into a foreign place, if a a foreign king were to come into America from another country, his power would be made void here because he is not in the place that represents his power. That's why you hear the queen of England and not just the queen. It is over a region. It is the king's domain that makes up his kingdom. And so they could not understand how Jesus a king that seemingly seemingly had no 
domain. How could this man have a kingdom if he had no domain? Because they understood that if a king were to step outside of his kingdom or outside of his domain, that therein that king's word would be made void. And therein that king would have no power. They must have pondered the questions. How could Jesus, one without a physical kingdom, consider himself a king? They must have asked the question, who is this king without a kingdom? Pilate said, art thou a king? History and tradition taught them that the power of a king was in the place that he was to abide. However, Jesus had no abiding place. This was a complicated thing for them to understand. Because Jesus' power, unlike any other king, was not in a place. But his power was fulfilled within the person. That's why the scripture says, In him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, all that is God, and all that is like God, and all that represents God was fulfilled in Jesus. Therefore, his kingdom was not one of the king's domain. Rather, his kingdom was one of the king's divinity. While other king's words would be made void in a foreign place, his word was not granted power through location. Rather, his word's power was granted through the revelation of it. In other words, while any other king's word would be made void in a foreign place, Wherever this king called Jesus would go, his word would never be made void because it was not in the physical domain of the king, but rather of the divinity within the king. His word was not made void when he stepped into the territory of Pilate, another king, because his divinity was his power. The scripture records an account of four kingdoms. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Satan. And this is interesting because traditionally a king's power, if he was to transition locations therein, that power would be removed. However, note that Jesus came from the domain of God. And God robed himself in flesh unto the domain of earth. And he defeated the domain of death. And he sits on the throne in the domain of heaven. In other words, if he were to step in to a domain that was not one of his, he would not be made void within that domain because his power was not in the place his power was within the divinity of who he was and so we see as he steps into the domain of death and conquers it and steps into the domain of sin and overcomes it and comes down from the domain
domain of heaven unto the domain of earth. And he trans... You see, they believed that if they could kill Jesus, they could dethrone him. Because they did not understand his kingship. They believed him to be a political rebel that was seeking to cast Caesar out of his position and step in as the king. But what they did not understand is that his throne was not one of the earthly, but his throne is heaven. And earth is his footstool. Now let me bring something out of that. Because the Hebrew culture, the Jewish culture is very specific in its terminology of things. Because a footstool is the place where the feet abide. And so the reason that heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool is because Jesus walked amongst us. It's, it, 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 was, it was a very purposeful thing. But they believed that if they could kill Jesus... That they could dethrone him. For no man had ever escaped the domain of death. But they must have not realized. That this was not a king that held the keys to a city. But this was the king. That holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. In other words... He stepped into the domain of death and conquered it. And he went down to the domain of hell and took the keys. He was buried in a borrowed tomb because he was going to give it back. Because he was not a king that upon entering another dominion would lose his authority. But his power was his divinity. Therefore, when he comes from the domain of heaven into the domain of earth, he still has his power. And when he steps into the domain of sin, he still has his power. And when he is crucified unto the domain of death, he still holds his power. And when he transitions into the domain of the presence of God, he still holds his power. For his domain was his divinity. Can I apply this today? You don't have to live under the domain of sickness because sickness is not your domain. You are a child of the king and where his power is through grace, you have inherited it. That's why you can lay hands on a dead individual. Death is not your domain, but it's his. And when you call on the name of Jesus, you're calling on an authority that is greater than your your domain it is his divinity you have been adopted into the royal bloodline of grace you've got the blood of the king running through your veins everything that he has dominion over so do you Yarabosa yaramayasa, yatarabo yarabosa yaramayasa. 
there's some people in this place that you've been fearful of asking God for things that are outside of your domain. You're fearful to ask that the mountain be removed because you're not the creator of the mountain. You're fearful to proclaim that you are healed because you're not the creator of your own body. You're afraid to proclaim peace into your marriage because you're not the creator of the institution of marriage. But can I tell you that the same blood that through grace is running in your veins is the same blood of the king and where his divinity is, your domain is. In other words, because you're a child of the king, you can step out of the domain of flesh into the domain of the supernatural. You can touch you can touch the sick and command them to be healed you can lay hands on the dead and command them to get up you can lay hands on your spouse and command peace into your home for he is the creator of the mountain. He knows the contents of it. He is the creator that formed your body up out of the dust. So he can heal your sickness. He is the creator of the world. So you can have everything that you need. Ecclesiastes 8.4 says it like this. Where the word of the king is. There is power. It does not say where the word of the king is. You can beg God for your healing. And maybe if you ask him 101 times, he'll give it to you. It does not say where the word of a king is. If you run around the aisle seven times, you'd get what you need. It does not say where the word of the king is. If you'd ask your pastor to pray for you, he'd give it to you. But it says where the word of the king is. There is power. And so if you understand that that word that was with God and that word that was God is the same word that is living inside of you, then you'd understand that wherever you go, there is power. In whatever you proclaim, there is authority. In whatever you ask, it shall be given unto you. In whatever mountain you command to be removed, it shall be removed. In whatever spirit you come up against, you have the domain of the king in other words when you speak his word and when you call on his name you are granted something that is beyond the domain of flesh you inherit the keys to the kingdom Matthew 16 19 says it like this and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound on earth. No, that's not what it says. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now how can I 
release something that is outside of the domain of my flesh. For I'm a fallible human. I'm full of sin. I'm a man. I'm a, we, we, we think these thoughts. We're afraid to proclaim things because it is beyond our domain. But when we become a child of the king, I'm my father's child. And as many times as I've lost a key, I've always had a key. As many times as I've taken my grandfather's key, I've always had a key. And he said, amen. Because when you're a child of the king, you inherit the keys to the kingdom. And we know that the kingdom is not of this world. Therefore, when you bind something in the domain of flesh, because the king's blood is within you, it is therefore bound in a dominion that is greater than yours. And so when you bind it on earth, it is bound in heaven. And when you loose it on earth, it is loosed in heaven. In other words, when you proclaim your healing, you may not see the results right away, but you're already healed in the domain of heaven. When you proclaim that your lost loved ones come back to him it may not have happened yet in the physical but your domain is not one of the physical it is one of the king When you speak to the mountain, you don't speak from the domain of creation. You speak from the domain of the creator. Moving a mountain might not be your domain, but he was the creator of that mountain. When you speak that you're healed, healing might not be your domain. But when you speak it on earth, it shall be accomplished in heaven. For where the word of the king is, there is power. The scripture says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In other words, if he is living inside of you, if he is within you, you have the authority to speak things into existence that are beyond your domain. The word of God transcends the domain of, hef, uh, of death. It transcends the domain of flesh. In fact, it transcends all dominions. If you speak it on earth, it shall be established in heaven. For we are co-heirs. Of grace. In other words, if he has the keys, then I have the keys. If he's defeated death, then I can defeat death. If he overcame sin, I too can overcome sin. If he is peace, I can have peace. If he is joy, I can have joy. If he is blessing, I can have blessing. If he is wholeness, I can be made whole. We give the devil a little too much credit in the apostolic church. Things that we should truly give credit to our flesh. I sinned that stupid old Satan. That wasn't Satan, that was your flesh. I'm sorry to break it to you. Because the scripture says, when 
Jesus establishes his kingdom. He said the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. It does not say the gates of hell shall not overcome you. It says the gates of hell shall not even prevail against you. In other words, it can't even come after you when you're a child of the king. Death doesn't even have the ability to write your name down when you're the child of the king. Sickness has no authority over your body when you're a child of the king. For if you are one of his, then hell cannot prevail against you. In other words, if you have the blood of Jesus flowing through you, hell can't even come after you. How much do we give credit? I know it's quiet in this place because for years we've given credit to the enemy. And for years we've blamed things on the devil. But my word says that it can't even prevail against me. And I'm going to stand on that word that when I'm sick, sickness, you have no authority over me. And when I'm down in defeat... Defeat, you have dominion over me. And when my mind is being attacked with depression, depression, you have no authority. You're not even allowed to prevail against me. Hallelujah, Jesus. The scripture says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. And that's such an intriguing passage of Scripture because I've heard it preached in so many ways. Some people believe that it's the airways and that if it's transmitted through the airways, then he's the prince of it. I hate to tell you how many churches are transmitted through the airways. I'd sure hope he's not the prince of it. And I've heard it preached that that speaks of Particular things and people have tried to draw conclusions as technologies have come and said, well, this is what he is the prince over. But it does not say that he's the prince of the air. It says he is the prince of the power of the air. Now, if I understand correctly, a prince has no power unless the king is removed from kingship. That word air is the Greek word for breath. And so I've come to understand that if I remove the king from my breath, then the prince is the inheritor of the power of my breath. In other words, if you remove the king from your talk because it's not Sunday, then the prince inherits the power of your conversation. And if you remove the king from your walk, then the prince inherits the power of your walk. And if you remove the king from your home, then the prince inherits the power of your home. And if you remove the king from your life, then the prince inherits the power of your life. He is not the prince of your spoken word. He is the inheritor if you remove the king. 
But as long as the king is in the word, as long as the king is still in your voice, as long as the king is still in your shout, hell cannot even prevail against you. You see, sound causes a literal change of pressure in the atmosphere. I did this this morning in Lebanon. I preached a different message, but I want everybody to just say amen. Come on, say it loud, amen. They say that when a word goes forth, that that atmosphere is forever changed. That they can literally record a change in the pressure. And that when a word goes forth, it becomes inaudible. But that that word is still in existence. And that though we are rendered of the ability to hear it, it is still there. And so when we speak a word of faith, it literally changes the atmosphere of our situation. And that word does not return void. But that word has forever changed the atmosphere of what we are facing. And it continues to echo into eternity. And so when we speak a word from God, the atmosphere of our situation is forever changed. And when we speak that our disease shall be removed, the atmosphere of our sickness is forever changed. And when we speak something into our home, the atmosphere of our home is forever changed. The issue is that in the flesh, we don't deal with things in the spiritual. We deal with things in the flesh. And so you grow angry at your spouse. And you speak a word of negativity about your spouse. And you become bitter about your family. And so you don't even want to step, uh, step foot in your front door. And you speak negativity about your family. And you become bitter with the pastor. And so you speak words of negativity about the leadership. But what you do not understand is that that word will continue on into eternity. And so the same word that has the power to heal you has the power to kill you. The same word that has the power to promote you has the same power to destroy you. The same word that has the power to create has the power to cast down. The question is, what shall your word be? I want to ask you tonight, is the king in your word? Or is it frustration that is the king of your word? Is the king in your spoken word? Is faith in your spoken word? Or is it fear that is speaking out of you? Is, is anger in your spoken word? Or does he sit on the throne of your spoken word? For when the king is in the word, we inherit the power of that king. 
if you'd come to understand this tonight, you could speak yourself healed. You could speak your marriage whole. You could speak your family put back together. You could speak your lost loved ones brought back to the cross. You could speak that the building out on, out on the highway, the old Carter Lumber Campus, is going to be made full. You could speak that the city of Lebanon, the city of Lafayette, and the city of Frankfurt will be one. You can speak that 300 are going to leave, or you can speak that 3,000 are going to be saved. It's all about what you're willing to proclaim. God's waiting on somebody to rise up and speak a word amidst chaos. God's waiting on somebody to rise up and call the, the storm peace. Somebody's waiting for someone to rise up and call your sickness healed. Someone, God is waiting on someone to rise up and call your marriage made whole. It's all about what you're willing to proclaim tonight. It's all about what you're willing to speak into the atmosphere. The music is going to come tonight. The word says, let not an idle word go forth. That word idle literally means unprofitable word. A word with no purpose. Why did you have to say that? Why did you have to talk about them? Why did you have to bash the building campaign? Why did you have to say it's empty? Why did you have to say, well, that's just all show? Why did you? But when we speak a word of faith, it is not a word in void. But when it returns, it returns multiplied. And it has forever changed the situation. All across this room, there are people that will go home tonight to abusive spouses. There are people that will go home to situations that seem unbearable. There are people that will go home to chaos. There are people that will go home to empty bank accounts. There are those of us that will go home to fear and anxiety. But can I tell you that all that is standing in between you and receiving what God really has for you is a word of faith. It's all about what you're willing to proclaim tonight. It's all about what you're willing to speak into the atmosphere. It's all about what you're willing to speak over your family. It's all about what you're willing to proclaim over your life. God, in the name of Jesus, I'll speak that the building that you have blessed us with will be made full. God, I'll speak into that spouse that fertility would come unto them and that that child would be made birth. God, I'll speak into that broken relationship and I'll speak that you would begin a process of mending them. I'll speak into that sick body and I'll speak a healing over that disease. 
seas. I wish someone would get a revelation tonight that you can storm the front of this room and begin to change the atmosphere of your situation by speaking a word of faith. Come on, lift your voice. Throw your hands up in the air and speak that name.